Hello, everybody. You are listening to the Finer Things Podcast. I am Tristan, and I am joined by the wonderful, the fantastic, Rosemary. Rosemary, how are you doing today? Hey, Tristan. I'm doing great today. It's so good to be back recording our third official episode of this podcast. I know we've kind of took a few weeks of a break from this, but yeah, it's really great to be back recording. Um, do you want to, how, how are you feeling and how are you doing? I'm doing pretty great. The weather here is beautiful. Uh, I've been riding my bike a lot uh, and I am almost done with reading the longest book I've ever read. So, you know, you get that, that sense of accomplishment. And what book is that? That is Crime and Punishment by Fyodor Dostoevsky. Um, yeah. Is, is it one of those big books? Oh, it's thick. Uh, it's, it's huge. Uh, the text is very small. And it's uh, it's not like a normal book where, you know, you have like dialogue and stuff. Like there mm-hmm. are several pages where it's just a block of text with no paragraphs. <laughs> so. Is it just like monologue after like monologue? A big part of it is, yeah. Um, so it's, it's very uh, like old Russian novel. Like whatever you think of when you think of that, it's probably that. So yeah, uh, other than that, I'm living at the Frisbee house now which is a lot of fun. Um, I, I didn't tell you this, but we're actually having our denim party tonight. Oh, do you want to tell us a little more? Like, you wear denim to the party? You wear a lot of denim. Anything you have that's denim, that's what you got. You got to wear it. Mm-hmm. You yeah, just put it on. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That sounds Oh, fun. no, we're looking forward to it. It's, uh, it's going to be a good time. How are you doing? Pretty good. I guess we were talking a little, just a little info about our lives for the listeners. We were just talking before we started recording that we based Tristan and I basically like switched spots, like in terms of our physical location. So like I'm back home in Kentucky, and Tristan, you're back at Evanston, for right at the Frisbee House. You described as fun, Mm -hmm. which is the word that I always hear attached to when I hear about the Frisbee House on campus. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's definitely a wild ride. Uh, I won't talk about most of what we do here because we are very classy people at this podcast. You know, we're finer. We're we're finer. (laughs) Finer people. Uh, So, yeah, we just won't discuss what happens at the, the denim party. You know how we usually like paint a picture of where we're sitting, where what like in terms of where we're recording. Do you want to do that for our listeners? I do, I do. Um, well, I am in, as I said, the frisbee house. I'm in an old room, which is very beige and very dusty. Uh, I have my bed. <laughs> I have my guitar, my fan. This room does not have air conditioning, uh, so my fan is on pretty much twenty four seven. I have my MCAT books in the corner. Don't me. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much... Yeah, I know, I know. That's pretty much everything that's in my room. Um, yeah, I, I don't spend much time in here at all, so there isn't much of a need to decorate. But, yeah, no, that's what's going on with me. Why don't you paint your scene for us and our lovely listeners? So, I'm back home in my bedroom at home. Um, it's a very pretty sparsely decorated room it just has a bunch of random knickknacks and a lot of books and some posters some very aged and dated posters (laughs) um but yeah I'm just at my desk and it's sort of messy right now but it has like the book 
that I'm currently reading. I told Tristan that I've been reading a lot of contemporary fiction recently. <laughs> the one that I'm reading right now is called Yoke by Mary H.K. Choi. Her book covers are fantastic. She has prints along the binding. Like these, this book is about two sisters. On the cover, it's like the sisters are falling, but on the side, it's like they're holding hands. Oh my god! I haven't seen that like in a book, which is really cool. So the art is fantastic. Just the cover art. That's amazing. Oh, I also have a thank you card. Just a random thank you card that I found, <laughs> just like underneath my desk, sitting there. Is here. it? Is it thanking you? No, it just something? says a very special thank you. And it's <laughs> there's nothing in there. So I guess All I've right. been trying to thank someone, but I don't know. Maybe I forgot about that. Well, if you need to thank somebody in the future, then you are, you're prepared. Yeah. So there, there you, you go. go. And I guess that's sort of the scene for where I'm recording. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, so you are graduated now. The last time we recorded, you, oh, yes. you were uh, still a senior. And now you're mm -hmm. you're done. Yeah, so I guess that's a little a bigger biggish life update. That's pretty big. I'm done with undergraduate studies. I'm officially graduated. I am a alumna, if that's the correct form of it. But um, Tristan, you're currently on your last quarter. Last quarter, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm almost done. I'm very close to being finished, and. It's a pretty good feeling. I cannot wait to be done. But after we're done, what comes next? We have our gap year and whatever we're going to do then. We have the MCAT. I forgot to mention, I also have my MCAT books. They're sitting to my left. There's a whole stack of them. All the oh, Kaplan the Cap books. Oh, Lovely. That's good stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> yeah, Kaplan's the best. As a graduated college student and as a senior in college, what better topic to talk about than, I guess, our undergraduate life and specifically what we do in college, like learn? Yes. Yeah. So we are in college. We're here to learn. All right. So Rosemary, what does MCAT stand for? It stands for Medical Emissions College Test. Well, that would be M-A-C-T. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Medical College Emissions Test. That makes so there much more go. sense. That makes yeah, so much more sense. Go. It's the Medical College Emissions Test. Yeah, I didn't even know what it stood for until maybe like sophomore or junior year. Yeah, no, me either. It's just like this amorphous blob, like this threat that you have to take. And and that, but as we get more familiar with mm -hmm. it, we learn that, you know, it actually stands for something. So yes, it is the Medical College Admissions Test. Uh, and that implies that we are trying to take a test to be admitted <laughs> into a medical college. So what does that mean? What does that mean for us as students? I mean, you can all can probably maybe guess that Tristan and I are pre-med or pre-medical students, which is not really a major, but in like a track in undergraduate. It's a lifestyle. Yes, it's a lifestyle. It's a whole nother species of an undergraduate student. It's a spiritual journey. I guess it's a spiritual journey too. <laughs> it's just everything. It can be <laughs> everything and anything you want it to be. It really can. I mean, it's uh, like... When I tell people that I'm a psychology major, right? I'm like, that. that is true, but like what I'm here for college to do is to become a doctor, is to be pre-med, and my priority is my pre-med classes. Everything else comes second, which sucks, but you know, that's that's the life we've chosen. Um, so what does being pre-med mean? We have to study a lot, like a significant amount. 
Um, yeah, I mean, like, what you guys have heard about pre-med students uh, just spending all day in the library. Yeah, it's pretty much true. <laughs> yeah. Like, Rosemary, what is your what is your studying like in an average day? I mean, you can surely attest to that. So, like Tristan mentioned, there are pre-med classes. Just There's just, like, certain classes that pre-meds have to take to apply to med school. But on top of that, there's, like, you know, you have your other classes for your major. Like, for example, I am a neuroscience major, so I have, like, other neuroscience classes that I have to take. And in terms of, like, studying, it really depended on the actual class or like my course load but like Tristan said those pre-med classes tend to take priority over my other <laughs> classes in studying wow I have a toggle tracker like it tracks when I'm like doing a certain task and for how long for certain classes or certain assignments like there's a timer and it just tracks how long I spent on that and I think the longest I spent studying for a like in terms of a school week was probably over 60 hours so that's literally more than a full-time job of just studying, not even taking into account actually being in class. Yeah, I didn't count in class time. This was for like study. But yeah, I think that's the most hardcore. But typically, I think I average around like 30 to 46. A light week is probably only like 20 something of studying across like three or four classes. For example, for Orgo this summer, it was just like go to class, go to lab, and then just doing practice problems all the time. Yeah, when we say that pre-med is a lifestyle, we mean it. I mean, it determines how you live. It determines what you do. It determines what you learn. So, yeah, I mean, I've had a pre pretty similar path to that. I mean, I've, I study a lot. I took Orgo sophomore year. I do not remember any class I took in sophomore year other than Orgo. Like, that was my life. That, that was what I did. And, yeah, I mean, I'm sure my studying hours come out to something like that. And now I'm studying for the MCAT. I have the same, I mean, you spend significant amounts of time every single day. Uh, Rosemary, you are familiar with Anki, mm -hmm. of course, because you're pre-med. Yeah, and the whole Anki lifestyle. Yeah. So, Mile Down created a, um, a deck, and it has everything that you need to know for the MCAT. Do you want to guess, just ballpark, at any number, how many cards are in this uh, deck? Let's Rosemary? see. I would just guess 60,000. 60,000? 60, is that a oh, lot? Okay, that's a bit. Yeah, that's more. That That is, that's a bit, yeah. <laughs> that is more than R in the deck. Am I like way out of the ballpark? Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I'll lower it. I'll lower it. 3,000. You are very close. It is 2,900. Oh. Yeah. I'm kind of surprised. I thought there would be more. I thought we'd be hitting like 10,000. Yeah, I mean, it's surprising, right? But like, it, it's just a strict number of facts that you have to know. But so to be pre-med, to take the MCAT and to get into medical school and, you know, join the 528 gang, you have to know at least 2,900 facts, right? And how to manipulate them and how to learn them in the first place. So being pre-med requires a lot of learning. And it requires studying and really, like, having a different mindset about learning that I feel like a lot of people don't have. So, that brings us into the next part of our discussion. What makes pre-med fine? Why are we talking about this in the first place? That is a great question. I think learning, like, the, especially the love of learning and acquiring knowledge, I feel like that is such an integral part 
for the pre-med experience. I think med schools or like the missions, they want to see you as a student going out and doing things and chasing after things that you like or want to learn about. And that's not through your like studies at school, but rather through life experiences. For example, what occupies your time outside of studying? What do you like to learn about outside of schools and like the required courses? Yeah, when we have at least one avenue of learning, you know, we, we spend so much time studying the MCAT and our classes. I feel like it does move into other areas where we start to mm-hmm. learn about other things, too. You know, maybe you learn through literature. Maybe you learn facts. Maybe you just by reading, you learn a lot. It teaches you a different way of learning. And I don't think that's true of just pre-med. I think any pursuit that's centered mm-hmm. around learning, like whether you go to law school or business school, or whether like or whether you join a religious order or something like that like any any pursuit that requires significant amounts of learning can transform you why why does that happen why do we place so much emphasis on learning i feel like for me well there's not like a correct answer but just our thoughts for me at least i was always thinking like growth to do different things and also to like connect with other people and just to have different types of experiences like requires growth as a person and a lot of that can come from learning because you might be learning new topics or learning about new things meeting new people and learning about their types of experiences and all of that contribute to growth for me at least with life i want to be fueled by something and being fueled by knowledge is like one thing that I really like. Yeah, no, seriously. I mean, learning means growth. If we're learning, that means that we're growing too. And there isn't much that's worth doing that you can't that like that you can do without learning how to do it, I think. Like if you want to paint, you need to learn how to paint. If you want to be a parent, you need to learn how to be a parent. If you want to be a doctor, you need to get into significant debt and go to med school and dedicate your life to it. So yeah, everything, I think everything that's worth doing requires some form of learning. And while you're doing it, you're learning too. So it never really stops. Yeah. It really doesn't. I was listening to this um, podcast episode the other yesterday. It was from Ted the TED Talks, but um, it's with Angela Duckworth about grit. And one of the lines that she talked, like said, kind of stood out to me. A lot of people will think about like, oh, what's the next correct step for me to do? Like in terms of what job or like what position, like what I decide to do after like whatever point in my life. And she's like, well, a lot of people spend time worrying about that. And then they don't realize till later on that they spend all that time worrying. when, And so they weren't actually doing anything. And so that's like the worst thing that you're not doing anything. You're not learning anything. Like even if you take a position in a field or job and it turns out not to be like the correct fit for you, but you're still, at least you did it and you're still learning some, you still learn something through that. Even if the most basic lesson was like, oh, this is definitely not something I want to do with my life. Like at least that's still something you learn. So it's better than like sitting around worrying about that and not doing anything and then not learning anything. Yeah. It's only a mistake if you don't learn from it, right? There is a quote from Siddhartha that you made me think of with that. You know, and the quote is, you, you think of like people who spend all their time thinking and they don't commit to anything because they, they're measuring the pros and cons of everything. They're, they can't make a move. And the quote that I'm thinking of is, if you spend all of your time seeking, you have no time for finding. Oh, that's a good quote. Right? Yeah. Like if you spend all of your time 
worrying, like you said, and none of your time actually doing and figuring out, maybe this is something I do like, maybe it's something I don't, then you're losing in a way. You're losing out on what you could be doing. So absolutely, just commit, you know? Just do it. Just do it. (laughs) Invoke your inner Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, it's a lot easier for me to say it than also like actually put that into action, like just doing it. In my position right now, I remember for like the first week or so after I like graduated, I was just like, oh my gosh, like I don't have a job lined up. And I was like freaking out. I was really stressed about the fact that I was doing nothing. And I was just trying to think like, oh, I'm taking two gap years before I want to apply. Like what jobs is like going to be good for me during this two year? And then I realized I'm like, okay, I'm this is pointless. I'm just going to apply to everything. Like I'm thinking like maybe I don't even get some of the jobs that I thought would be perfect for my gap year. So it's just like apply to everything and just try. And then I'm also like, okay, I might not really be doing anything right now, but I'm also reading, which is something that I really like and I haven't gotten to do in the past year. So that's still learning something. There you go. Absolutely. I mean, every time you read, you learn. Whether it's something major, whether it's something minor, you're learning nonetheless. And when you apply to a job, maybe you hate it, maybe you love it, you're learning anyway. You learn, that's for me, that's not for me. That's why we shadow uh, do you want to explain what shadowing is to our uh, to our listeners? Just think of it like you're like a shadow or a fly on a wall, but you get to you reach out to maybe like physicians in specific fields or like certain people in specific careers that you want to learn a little bit more about and just ask them like, hey, can I shadow or like follow you around for a day or a week or however long? I just want to get the feel of like maybe your workplace, your position, like what's your day to day routine like? Absolutely. And I'd imagine that through that learning, you know, it helps you to decide what kind of doctor you want to be or if you want to be a doctor at all. I know people who they thought, yeah, they were going to be a doctor. They took the MCAT and then they shadowed and then thought, ooh, maybe, maybe this isn't for me. Maybe this isn't the move. Yeah. No. So in that way, that knowledge helps you. Um, Knowledge and everything that comes with it can help us to make more informed decisions and to make us, you know, it it helps us to navigate life in a way. And I feel like that's one of the reasons why education is so, so emphasized in every culture. Like, there's not one culture that's like, getting educated? That's for morons. (laughs) Like, no. No, every, every people understands that it's something that's integral to life. Going off that, education is definitely emphasized in a lot of cultures. I was just wondering if you had maybe like any thoughts on what we can learn or like the type of knowledge that is gained or maybe the lack of like certain skills or knowledge in comparison between like formal education versus like informal. Yeah, absolutely. Um, One of the things that isn't really advertised when you're applying to college, but is very true anyway, is that college isn't necessarily teaching you hard skills, like how to code computers or how to set up a web browser or anything like that. It's teaching you soft skills. Is teaching you how to interact with a world that is designed to deal with educated people, right? Like every doctor you've met is very, very educated and you have to learn how to interact with that. It's not easy, you know, like if I and interacting with any, you know, any culture or society that's not yours isn't easy. Like if I walk into, you know, a boardroom of CEOs, I don't know how to react (laughs) in that situation, but If I went to business school, and if I rose through the ranks, then it would just be second nature to me. 
And so, and this is one of the, you know, the main inequalities is that if you don't have access to a great education, like we have, then that means that you often, you may not get those soft skills and you may not be able to interact with the, with that educated world, even if you're just as smart as everyone else. So yeah, um, but yeah, soft skills are definitely something that's, that we don't realize is being taught, but absolutely is. Yes, for sure. Interacting in academia and like with professors and like even like with research labs, like that's just like a whole nother environment too, like outside of the classroom. Yeah. Um, in conservatory. So in music education, it, and we both went through the, you know, the classical music scene when we were growing up. So you, you know this too. Uh, I was told that it is not what you know, it's who you know. Yeah, you go to conservatory to make connections and you learn you learn not just how to play. Of course you learn how to play, but you also learn how to navigate the musical world, which is almost as important as being a great musician itself. That's honestly true I feel like in any field with a, in a lot of fields, the who you know part, like even in medicine, like you're just like you know, like with your lab, even if like with research and labs, like if you're in a specific PI's lab, who's like pretty popular, it's a big lab, you know, has a like pretty well-known name, like it, that might help in certain scholarships or other research programs or finding a, a job after, like a research job after graduation. But also like if you're shadowing specific physicians or if they write, if they're writing you like a recommendation letter or something, that usually does have some influence. Absolutely. I mean... I don't have doctors in my family, but if I did, it would make shadowing significantly easier. I have reached out to so many doctors over the past few weeks. I cannot find anyone to shadow. Everyone's like, oh, sorry, just shadowing is not an option at this moment. And I'm like, come on. Because of COVID? Because of COVID. Or just because they don't want to. I don't know. Mm -hmm. They may be saying it's because of COVID. They just don't like me. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) But yeah, yeah, I mean, if I did have doctors in my family, it would make it so, so much easier to shadow. And like, even if you just know someone that works in the healthcare scene and who may be connected, you know, through like other people and they know like a physician or something, like even just knowing like a distant connection like helps. Like, so it's, it's a lot of like who you know. It really is. It really is. And that's why formal education and, you know, climbing up the social ladder, which in many cases, that's what education serves to do. Mm-hmm. So, Rosemary, as we have previously mentioned on this podcast, you and I both took, took general chemistry together. And we took it as freshmen, which meant that we had absolutely no idea how to study. And part of general chemistry, and when I was talking to Fred Northrup, this is something that he knows, and all Gen Chem and all first year classes know. A lot of the first course is just teaching people how to study, and you know you can't expect great results because part of it is just learning how to actually retain the information. And I I assume that you know it was as good for you as it was for me going through Gen Chem and learning how to you know learning how to navigate the academics uh, scene. So. 
Yeah, what did you get out of that? Well, in terms of studying, not that actual studying is hard. That's more like getting the motivation study. But learning what works or not, that's the rough part. But also, there's something else that comes with the whole studying process from when you start learning the information, from when you start studying, and then until when you take the exam. It's a whole journey. Do you want to talk more about how studying, maybe specifically like your whole undergraduate studying career, but then approaching the MCAT, like how does, what is that to you? Yeah, I mean, it's just like pre-med, it's a journey. Uh, The MCAT represents the final boss. It's something, it's typically the last thing that you do in pre-med. Like maybe you'll do some volunteering, maybe you'll do some shadowing after that, but it comes after you have taken, hopefully after you have taken all of your, uh, all of your prereqs. Uh, people do take it before they finish all their classes. Whether that's good or bad, that's for them to decide. But it typically comes after you have taken all of your prereqs. And so every, every class that you have taken, every exam that you have passed, aids in you learning how to be a better student. And so, and it compounds on itself. You know, you start Gen Chem, you learn how to study a lot, then you take Orgo and you learn how to study even better, and then you take Bio and, and it keeps going. And by the time that you reach the MCAT, you're a different person from the one who, you know, sat down in Tech 110 and, and started <laughs> and, you know, started studying Gen Chem. Mm-hmm. So it really is a journey, just like everything, everything that involves learning in life. It's a journey. It starts in one place and it ends in another. I feel like I've learned much more about how to study than I have actually in like content from my from my courses. Going off that, like definitely agree. And the fact that it's journey means that it is not the same for everyone. So like not everyone's going to study the same way and what works for me may not work for Tristan. And yeah, I feel like once you reach that, that like that little pinnacle, that's the MCAT, like it's just like, oh, I have all my study skills under my belt. I know what I need to do. <laughs> but also, I think the hard part with that is like, I know what I need to do, but actually doing it, like the motivation to get myself to study for hours a day or like trying to build up that stamina for when I actually take this like seven, six, seven hour tests, you know, uh-huh. in one sitting. Like that's that's something that also takes practice. And with practice is part of the whole journey of learning. Like and doing it, absolutely it does. doing it repeatedly. Yes. Yeah. MCAT burnout is a very real thing. Sometimes you study, you study, you study, and you're just like, I don't mm-hmm. want to study anymore. You know? Yeah. Maybe med school's not all that great. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, studying. Is studying fine? I mean, I mean yeah, when I buy myself a nice cup be. of coffee, sit down in a cafe, <laughs> open my laptop, all my nice colored pencils around, yeah, it feels fine. But then I actually do. You know, I gotta say, I gotta say, when I'm sitting down and like just going through my Anki decks, mm-hmm. like I feel hot. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, I'm gonna be a doctor. Mm-hmm. This is good stuff. <laughs> so, absolutely, it can be. Yeah, studying in itself. You have like one hour episodes on YouTube just teaching you how to set the Anki settings. Yeah, the Anking. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, we were saying earlier that, you know, studying is a journey, especially for it's something that's as long and important as the MCAT. Yeah, and so it's, it definitely is a journey. 
Um, and I was telling you that it feels like the final boss in a way where all of the classes that you take before and all the finals that you take to get to that point, they're the mini bosses and you take everything that you learn during that time and you apply it to defeating this final boss. And with that, you get into medical school. So it's like, it's like Aang learning all of the elements and using that to defeat the Fire Lord. But then, but then you get into medical school, and that's a whole other journey, because you have a whole other sets of exams that you need to go through. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, then you have to do it all again. <laughs> yeah. So it, it never really stops. I mean, I mean, I think doctors who are like 50 years old still have to take standardized exams. Like, it, it doesn't stop. But that's part of the beauty of it. You never, you know, you never settle down. You just keep going and you keep learning and you keep expanding what you know. So, Rosemary, uh, as we have discovered uh, throughout our trials and tribulations at Northwestern, there are good ways to study and there are very, very bad ways to study. And when you're young, you don't know which is which. So, what one has studying poorly uh, done you in before. Let me take you back to calculus. <laughs> so we have weekly quizzes and there's usually only two questions. Both of them were five points for a total of 10 points. And the incorrect way to study was how I was doing it for this first or second quiz. I was just do like one or a few practice questions and my mind's like, yeah, Rosemary, you totally got this. Like, yeah, you just do one practice question. And of course, you know everything. So I go in, take the test, felt, or take the quiz, felt okay about it. Um, two classes later, got it back. I got a one out of 10. It wasn't even half points for one question. It was like one out of 10. So yeah, I was definitely, after that point, I was like, yeah, doing one or two or three practice problems is definitely not the way to go. What about you, Tristan? When are sometimes that studying has not worked out the best for you? So I was in Gen Chem. We had the same Gen Chem class, as I mentioned earlier. And I thought, I'm going to be a cool undergrad and stay up all night studying because I'm going to be a doctor and I'm going to be smart. But let me tell you, that is not the smart thing to do. Do not pull all-nighters, no matter what. So I studied and I remember at one point I went out and watched the sunrise. <laughs> and I remember thinking, man, I'm so ready. I'm going to do fantastic. Took the exam and I got below average. I remember feeling so defeated and so thinking, like, I will never, ever pull an all-nighter again. And I almost didn't, but Russian literature came the next quarter, and I found myself... Well, this was different. This was different because it's mm -hmm. writing an essay. And so now we can get into the success stories of studying. I, I spent all night, literally the entire night, writing that essay. I could have spaced it out earlier, but I didn't read any of the books that were assigned <laughs> in order to write the essay. And it was like three very long <laughs> Russian books. So, you know, I had to do some peace work. And by that, I don't mean like joining the Peace Corps, but, you know, putting pieces of different essays together that other smarter people have written. And I got an A in that class. <laughs> so it can work out, you know? It, there is a way to, you know, pull a successful mm -hmm. all-nighter, but try not to, Yeah, all-nighters, 
this is what I always told myself when I was pulling all-nighters. I'm like, Rosemary, you're just training yourself for like, you know, when you're in med school, like you have to do rounds or something and you have to do like 24-hour shifts or something. Like this is just training for that. Like, no, I was just lying to myself. But anyways, going off of um, Tristan's success story, I guess one, I also pulled an all-nighter. So this was, this was for a history class and I had to write an essay about the Black Plague. And so what I did was went walk to Target uh, before they closed, grabbed myself a like energy drink or like some espresso drink, I think, walked back to my dorm, took a shower, fully intending not to come back until the next morning. So I grabbed like a blanket, like sweatshirts, like set up camp with my little laptop and every all my papers and books in tech and finished that essay. Walked out of there when it was bright and sunny at like seven something AM, went back to my dorm, brushed my teeth, took a shower, and then came back to the same building for 8 a.m. statistics. But hey, I ended up doing okay on that essay, but I did also end up dropping the class, so that felt a bit of a waste. Yeah, so you know, sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. But studying is much more than putting in the hours. It is really, it's learning. It is learning. When I feel like I have succeeded in understanding something is when I feel like I have an intuition about it. And I feel no more strongly about this than in orgo, um, which stands for organic chemistry for the uninitiated. Uh, Organic chemistry is insanely difficult. uh, And what you have heard about it ending pre-med's dreams is true. Uh, We have both experienced this. (laughs) And, but for me, at least... I, you know, you have to study the rules, you have to study what happens, you have to study individual problems, but after you do that enough, you start to develop an intuition. You start just knowing what to do, and what needs to be done and when. And that's when I feel like studying worked, and that's when I feel like I actually gained significant amounts of knowledge that I need. Not just remembering, like, oh, in this past practice Mm -hmm. problem, you know, they did this, and so I should do this too. It's no. You just know. So that's when I feel like studying has gone the best, for me at least. Yeah, we definitely talked about that. And I think it's the same. Like, I was telling I was, like, really excited. I remember when I told Tristan, I was like, yeah, I saw the problem on the test. And I was just like, I have a feeling that this is this is the mechanism that should happen. And here's where the electrons should go. And I was really excited because I think that's that was the intuition that not just, like, Tristan, but also, like, some of our professors were talking about, specifically with, like, Orgo. They're like, yeah, eventually you do enough practice problems, you sort of develop an understanding of how like certain reactions should occur and like what the product should be. And I got really excited when that happened. So yes, it's very exciting. It's a great thing. And that's what studying does. I feel like that is the peak. That's why you're at college, you know, that's what you're here to learn how to get that. And I'm sure that as we go on throughout our other adventures in education, we'll experience the same thing. When we're in medicine, Eventually, we'll stop thinking about, oh, how do I do this? What, quadruple bypass? <laughs> I don't know. We'll just be like, mm-hmm. I know it. It's just there. And that's the goal throughout all of this. Well, thanks so much to our listeners for coming along, joining us on this little journey. And hopefully you'll join us for our next one for episode four. Yes, thank you so much for joining us through another journey. And not just education, but the finer things. And I hope that you have appreciated this and that you, uh, and that you have enjoyed it. 
and we will see you Bye. next. <laughs> Bye.